Today on Bold Steps Weekend, Pastor Mark Job shows us the power of redemption. The Jesus that you seek that has power to change and transform can be accessed through faith anytime you want. You don't have to go into some cathedral to touch him. You can be right in your bedroom and access his grace through his blood. The book of Revelation is often misunderstood book of the Bible, but it's a powerful book that represents the culmination of all the other books. Now, spoiler alert, God wins. And that's the topic today here on the new Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. Welcome to our program. Mark is the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago, and he's also president of Moody Bible Institute. Since 1886, Moody has been instrumental in shaping the lives and the careers of thousands of ministry students across the globe. And though we're in the swing of summer, it's never too late to see what's being offered this fall. To learn more, visit boldstepsweekend.org. Right now, let's jump into today's message on redemption and cross-centered worship. With the final message in a series titled, Habit of Worship, here's Mark Job. And I saw a strong angel, not a common little angel. This was a Michael caliber angel. A strong angel with a booming voice proclaiming, Who is worthy to open the book and to break the seven seals? You see, this book, the book of the seven seals, later we are to discover that book are the concluding chapters of history of humanity. That book represents the final story of the redemptive history. That book represents that all that is unjust will come to justice and all that is crooked will be straightened and all that is unfinished will be finished. That book represents God's final triumph over humanity. That book represents the final chapters of the story of redemption. That book represents light triumphing over darkness. That book represents the final conclusion where God wins and humanity has rescued those that believe. So it's an important book. And the Bible says that the angel calls out. Look what it says in verse 3. And no one, no one, not a soul in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or even to look into it. Not an angel. And the Bible tells us that John, in this angelic being, understood the seriousness of what was happening. And a dark cloud settled over John's soul and spirit as he saw no one could open this book. And John began to weep. First little tears. And the more he understood the seriousness of not opening this book, the seriousness of things being left unfinished, the seriousness of judgment not coming, of justice not being unveiled, 
The seriousness of people not experiencing forgiveness, of not being a new heaven and a new earth. The seriousness of God's plan not being completed. John began to weep. No, not weep. He began to sob. From deep inside, sobs of sorrow, of desperation, of God, will it all finish this way? How come it can't finish? No one, there is no one that can open that book. It'll finish in disaster. It'll never be completed. And he weeped and sobbed, Scripture tells us. And one of the elders, the 24 elders, looked at John. And he said, John, stop weeping. Behold. Behold the lion. The lion of Judah. The root of David. There's one, and we found him. He can open the book. He can break the seals. Not one among many, just one. And we found him. Some refer to him as the Lion of Judah. Some refer to him as the Lily of the Valley. Some refer to him as Jesus. Some as the Messiah. Some as the Lion. Some as the Savior. Some as the Son of Man. But we found him. We found him. And the Bible says that John looked up and he says, and I saw between the throne as he looked up through the tear-stained eyes and he looks towards the throne to see if the scroll was there. And there's the four living, four creatures with their six wings and he sees between them and he sees an interesting image because he's not what he expected. Oh, he expects maybe to see this gracious, powerful lion, but it's not there. Or maybe he expects to see this king with a scepter, but it's not there. And maybe he expects to see this warrior champion, ripped muscles, ready to save humanity, but it's not there. But instead, as he peers and looks between the angelic beings, he sees it. What he sees is a lamb. A small Lamb, standing in front of the throne. But there's something unusual about this lamb. Because although its coat is white, there's blood stains on this lamb. In fact, as he looks at the lamb, it looks like this lamb has been slaughtered. A slaughtered lamb. It looks like the blood has been drained from him. There's blood stains on his woolly coat as he stands between the, before the great white throne. And the Bible says this lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And the seven churches of Revelation were just spoke about earlier in the book. And seven is the sign of perfection. And this lamb is a perfect lamb. And it says, and he came. Who came? Capital H came. The lamb came and approaches this throne. And this lamb takes out of the right hand of God the Father who sits on the throne. He takes the book. 
And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders are gazing upon the Lamb as he takes the book from the hand of God Almighty. And the four living creatures and the 24 elders all gasp in unison as they fall on their face down before the Lamb. They collapse to the ground at the sign of the Lamb taking the book. And the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And as they lay prostrate on the floor, the four living creatures and the 24 elders with their crowns thrown, all of them prostrate on the floor before this lamb. They go down and suddenly you see the lamb very clearly. The lamb of God. And then their voices begin to sing together an unrehearsed song that emanates spontaneously from them. They harmonize. They sing a song that's never been sung before. And the song says, Worthy art thou to take the book and to break the seals, for thou wast slain, and dispurchase for God with thy blood men from every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. And thou hast made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And they would say with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all of these things I heard them saying to him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen, 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 Amen means so be it. Yes, I agree. And the elders fell down and worshipped. You see, that's cross-centered worship. You see, when Jesus instituted the church and the apostles began teaching about the church, you think about this. There are, very, there are few, very few physical symbols or acts that we are to follow. Most of it's interior. Most of it has to do with the heart, right? There's not a lot of traditions and not a lot of physical rituals that we are to engage upon. And I believe in part because sometimes we get tied to those rituals and they lose the meaning of it. For example, some people say, well, you know, how come you guys don't have Jesus is on the cross? Like some of you came in and said, you know, I, I better help this church out because they can't afford statues. They need help. No, no, we don't have statues of Peter, Paul, Mary, St. Jude, or any other saint. In fact, we don't have statues of Jesus in this place. Not because we can't afford them, but because we choose not to have them. You say, why? They look so nice and they make it feel more churchy. Well, here's the thing. 
First of all, it violates one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no graven image before me. You say, well, it's not really an image, we're not really worshiping, we just do it so that it helps us sort of visualize. No, 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 no. I've been to enough countries, seen enough places, seen enough people scrawling on their knees to touch some statue that they think has magical powers, kissing a toe on some Christ or virgin or saint, feeling like this is going to empower me. Anytime we ascribe, ascribe magical powers to any, any image, it has one name, it's idolatry. And it infuriates the holiness of God. No, the Jesus that you seek is not made of stone or wood. The Jesus that you seek that has power to change and transform, he resides at the right hand of the throne of God in power and might. He is a spirit-glorified, resurrected being, not an image of stone. And he can be accessed through faith anytime you want. You don't have to go into some cathedral to touch him. You can be right in your bedroom and access his grace through his blood. listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job, and this is Bold Steps Weekend. We'll jump back into the second half of today's message in just a moment, so please stay with us. Did you know that in addition to hearing from Mark on this weekend program, you can catch him every weekday on our sister program. You'll find Bold Steps with Mark Job on the radio, over the internet, and through our popular Moody Radio app. So just go to boldstepsweekend.org to learn more. And then while you're on the website, Don't forget to sign up for the Bold Stepper Weekly. It's our free weekly devotional that's delivered automatically to your inbox each Monday morning. Join the hundreds of other listeners who are taking bold steps to start the week off right. Sign up today at boldstepsweekend.org. Now, let's return to the second half of Mark's message, Habit of Worship. But there's two elements that Jesus and the disciples taught us from an early time, acts of worship that we are to do. And the interesting thing about these two is that they all go to the cross. One is baptism and another is communion or the Lord's Supper. Do you realize that both of those physical acts have to do with the cross? In baptism, when someone goes into water, they are It's a symbolism of being buried with Christ and resurrected into a new life. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the reason that we don't sprinkle, the imagery follows more the death and resurrection when we go into the water. Because it's symbolic of we die to ourselves and buried, and when we come out of the water, it's symbolic of we've been resurrected. And the image, imagery is this, we are dead with Christ, and we've risen with Christ because he died on the cross for us. And the other physical institution that Jesus gave us was at the Last Supper. It was called the Passover that they were celebrating. Do you remember it? It was soon before he was going to be betrayed, and he went into the upper room and was celebrating a Jewish feast. It was called the Passover feast. 
Now, the Jewish people had been doing it for hundreds and hundreds of years. And it heralded all the way back to when they were slaves in Egypt. And you remember the plagues that were released so that they would be set free. And the final plague was the killing of the firstborn of every family if they did not slaughter a lamb and put what on the doorpost? The blood of a lamb. Does that sound familiar? And so when the angel of death went, swept through the streets of Egypt, taking the firstborn of every family, those families that had slaughtered a lamb and taken the blood and put it on the doorpost, the angel of death would come to that household and the angel of death would what? Pass over. Thus, the feast of the Passover. Because it would pass over the house upon which the blood of the lamb had been sprinkled. And only go to the houses where there was no blood of the lamb sprinkled. And so the Jewish people would celebrate it down through the years, the Passover. And when Jesus came, you see, that was just a shadow of the cross. When Jesus, the Lamb of God, hundreds of years later finally came, the Passover ceased to be the ceremony that we practice, and now we practice the Lord's Supper. Because the lamb once and all had been slaughtered, and now as believers, you don't go to your home and slaughter a lamb. I hope to God you don't. (laughs) You have no need to slaughter lambs. You have no need for the blood of an animal. Because that was the imperfect showing the perfect that was about to come. That was a foreshadow. That was simply a symbol of what was coming. Jesus Christ, when he came and died, he became the perfect lamb of sacrifice. And you say, how do I get that blood on me then? I I want it. All those that have the blood of the Christ, the wrath of God bypasses their life, passes over them because now they have the righteousness of that blood upon them. You say, Pastor, I want some of that blood. Uh, Where do they sell it? Is there a relic somewhere? Is it hidden in some coffer somewhere? Is there a cross that I can touch? Oh no, the Bible is very clear about how you can have that blood on you. You see, that blood is sprinkled on everybody who through faith in Jesus surrenders to the cross and says, cleanse me now, sprinkle me with your blood. And vicarious in the realm of the Spirit, the blood of Jesus Christ is sprinkled upon your life. And the moment that the blood of Jesus Christ through faith is sprinkled upon your life, immediately at that moment, without rituals and without penance, without payment, and without ceremony, you have direct access to the throne of God because the curtain is split in two and when you come before God, you are coming righteous. Because when God sees you, he sees the sprinkling of the blood of the Lamb upon your life. And it's no longer what you have done or haven't done. It's the blood 
that cleanses and makes you whole. It says in Revelation that they overcame by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. And in communion, that's what we celebrate. You get a cracker that represents the body. And you get grape juice that represents the blood. And as you eat the cracker, you say, yes, I believe that Jesus became all man, became incarnate, that his body was here on earth and that he was all God. And this all God was crucified on a cross. And when that blood trickled down his hands and his feet, that blood was for me. And so I drink this cup saying, blood of Jesus, I partake of you. Blood of Jesus, I understand. Jesus said, unless you drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, you have no part of me. In John chapter 6, and a bunch of disciples left him because he, they thought he was advocating cannibalism. They didn't understand that he was speaking spiritually, symbolically, the blood and the body. So it's an act of worship that we call communion. It's been practiced for centuries. The early church did it. They did it often as they came together. It wasn't just worship. It was cross-centered worship. Something powerful, dynamic happens. And those that have been sprinkled with the blood understand the significance of it. It's deep. It's powerful. It's liberating. And the Bible says that the seals were broken one by one by one by one. And the final chapter of humanity was unleashed. And we're not there yet. We're pre-seals being broken. But the lamb has already been slaughtered and died. And he will usher us into the final chapters. The big question right now is, are we worshiping the Lamb that was slain? Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive glory and power and might and dominion. And the moment you're sprinkled with the blood of the Lamb, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. And the moment you're sprinkled with the blood of the Lamb, the judgment of God goes to the sides of you because you are no longer under the wrath or judgment of God. You are no longer paying the price and penalty for your sin. No longer are you under the wrath of God's judgment because the price has been paid. The highest price that could ever be paid, not just of a good man, but the blood of God himself. The blood of God. Holy blood sprinkled upon you. And every person that bows their knee and receives Jesus through faith has that blood vicariously sprinkled upon their life and access to the throne of God. Amen. 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 This is the New Bold Steps Weekend, and you're listening to the Bible teaching of Pastor Mark Job. 
If you joined us late or if you missed any portion of this study on habits, you can listen to the complete series online at boldstepsweekend.org. In addition to us being on your local radio station and online, you can also access this program through the Moody Radio app or listen to us at the office through your smart speakers. We even have a dedicated webpage to help you enable your favorite device. To learn more, just go to boldstepsweekend.org. These weekend and daily programs, along with the resources we offer, such as the mobile app, are just a few of the ways we're reaching out to people all across the country with the good news of Jesus Christ. But we could not do this without your continued partnership. Bold Steps Weekend doesn't rely on traditional advertising, so when you partner with us, you can be sure that your monthly commitment is going toward the goal of helping people hear Mark's bold and passionate teaching. So call today, 866 535 5580. That's 866-535-5580. Or sign up online to become a bold partner by committing to give a gift each month. The amount you give is up to you, so just go to boldstepsweekend.org to give. And if it's easier, you can send your donation in the mail by writing to us at Bold Steps Weekend, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And as our way of saying thanks for your gift of any amount, we'll send you a copy of Randy Elkhorn's book, The Grace and Truth Paradox, Responding with Christ-Like Balance. Learn how to navigate the issues of today's complex world while revitalizing your hope for living out the gospel in a broken and lost world. Again, it's called The Grace and Truth Paradox, and it's yours with a gift of any amount to support Bold Steps Weekend. Well, that's our time for this week. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Be sure to join us again next time when we discover that God has a plan. It's a message you won't want to miss, and you'll hear it right here on Bold Steps Weekend. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.